Hello, welcome to Praying the Word of God. My name is Tay and I'm here to pray through the Word of God with you. Once again, I hope this message finds you well. I pray you're in good spirits and ready to sit with me in this moment to give a little time towards seeking God's face through devotion and prayer. Now, before I get started, I want to read to you a message a sister in Christ who has grown dear to my heart and happens to be a white woman. Um, she inboxed me. So a few weeks ago, she had seen that I was on Facebook Live posting my personal concerns and frustrations with all, you know, that's been going on with the rioting and the rallies and such. And I also told her some of my personal concerns about being a black woman in America. And she let me know the frustrations she had been having as a white woman in America. And, you know, we didn't judge one another. But we listened to one another and loved each other through our pain. And a certain part of her message helped me to see her pain and frustrations as a white woman. A white woman who wanted to help fight any injustices. And she also helped me to see myself and how over the years I've allowed my own hurt and pain to contribute in some way to racism. And this is what she said. Um, She said... I can see your frustrations, and it's valid. I will stand here and say, I see it, meaning her privilege and the disadvantages of minorities. And she says, I sense it. And being an empathetic person, I feel it. And she goes on to say, I feel like as a white woman, my message to my black community would be this. I also stand here and say, I wanna help change the issues. I want to be a part of this change. At the same time, please don't label me because of the color of my skin. It wasn't me personally having slaves. So please don't hold me personally responsible for that and love me while I love you and stand with you to fight for what is right. Know that you're safe with me and I want to be safe with you. And she wanted to emphasize uh she wants to be safe with me as a community not just me she already knew that she was safe with me but then she goes on to say she ends the message with saying the differences really have been embedded and it is deep but that's not me that's not what I want for my life and for my future or your life and your future. Love is bigger. We really can do better together. 
We have to learn from each other and learn with each other. And that for me is where I'm at. Community, listening, sharing, listening more, sharing more, being there. Teach me. Let's stop keeping things hidden. Once we know better, we are supposed to do better. I want to do better than my relatives have done. Because we're only as sick as our secrets. Now, I wanted to read that. Not just because it moved my heart towards love. But because I genuinely believe that this is the heart of every good person. Even good people who remain complicit. And good people who don't know what to do, so they walk away. So with this in mind, I want to make sure that as I elaborate on three out of the six lessons I learned from the panel discussion, I'm also creating an atmosphere where we all feel safe and comfortable to talk about and to listen to one another's experiences that may be different from ours while speaking truth in love. Because this is what my dear sister in Christ did for me. With that being said, the third point or lesson I learned from the panel discussion of the church and race, which was hosted by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And once again, I encourage everyone to go listen to it. But it is that moving forward involves us as individuals looking at our current systems to find out which ones are still perpetuating racism and discrimination. Then we as citizens need to do the work necessary to create change. And starting within our own communities. You know, it's not good for us as taxpayers to pay into a system that's not working for all of us. For example, the system that's been creating the most controversy for decades is the police system. Now, I know this system is touchy for all of us, but for different reasons. And I want to say that I am one of those people who also believe that we need our police system and that there are good police within that system. But an interesting point was made about the police system having a culture that operates under loyalty within the ranks. And that there's a sense of loyalty over morality. Now, after watching on national television... Not just the officer who actually killed George Floyd, but the three police who remained complicit and stood by and watched. 
It's hard to make an argument against this type of police culture. And for me personally, I've seen this type of loyalty over morality. This loyalty over morality culture almost everywhere. Even in the church. Now, when it comes to systems that operate outside of the church, um, it was alluded in the discussion that the church plays a significant role in being bystanders. Even with issues that should matter. Because we send our condolences to the grieving families, we tweet out our prayers, and we might even write a sermon about it. Then, when we're called to action, we instead go back to living our normal lives. And we all do this, you know, Um, whether you're black or white. Everyone doesn't do this, but I believe that those who are not directly affected by an issue are more likely to remain complicit or altogether ignore the issue. And remember, this is not just happening outside of our churches. In fact, the act of not recognizing one another's issues is often just a pew away from you and me. We go and we carry out missionary work that's important to all of us while the brother or sister next to us who works right alongside us in some way is often in need of that same type of outreach. And you know, I really believe that we as believers refuse to take the next step in our faith I'm sorry, if we refuse to take the next step in our faith, I believe we will continue to see the same cycle of abuse, power, and loyalty among the ranks operating in all of our systems. And what I mean by taking the next step in our faith, I mean confronting the systems that are biased or that overlooks an issue that affects any group. You know, I recently heard a political commentary say people's minds will change when the laws change. And you know, that woke me up because I see the truth in that statement. You know, whether we like it or not, we all must adhere to whatever laws or rules that's in place within our communities, our governments, and in our churches. And the longer laws are in place and go unchallenged, it not only becomes our way of life, but it also becomes our way of thinking. You know, 
I think that when we talk about systems, we automatically think of systems on a macro level. But really, there needs to be systematic changes on every level, starting within our communities. We need reformation in our healthcare systems, our educational systems, the criminal justice system, and our systems within the body of Christ. Because, quite frankly, we operate in all of these systems. And here in America, a lot of our Christian values are utilized and sets the tone for the type of laws we create. And, you know, if time permitted, I'd be able to talk about the disparities operating in each system. So we need reformation within any system that's creating disparity within minority communities. And I say minority communities because that's simply where the disparity is. I know there are some people out there that may think I'm way off topic and that I've just left praying through God's word and went over into politics. But I want to let you know that Jesus spent most of his time challenging the system. He knew that he could bring healing and miracles and food to the communities that he traveled to. But they would still be bound by the laws within those communities as long as no one challenged it. So he challenged the status quo, corrupt authority, and the legal system that operated in his day. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they enforced the law, but many times Jesus had to challenge them on how they upheld it for themselves and against the people. So, it's been well over two weeks since George Floyd died and thrusted our nation into an uproar. But our history shows that we do have a pattern of being bothered by our oppressive systems enough to get the attention of the whole world. Then our feelings begin to fade. And for those who are privileged to the system, return back to all its benefits. While those who are oppressed by it, return back to figuring out how to navigate through it. But either way, it's back to normal for all of us. Condoleezza Rice, the first female national security advisor and later the first black female secretary of state, 
under George Washington Bush, who's always been seen as a controversial woman within our Black community, to be honest. Nonetheless, she grew up under segregation in Birmingham, Alabama, and has many personal accounts of her experience with racism. And she wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post a few days ago that really compels the reader to take a reflective moment on our history and all that's going on in hopes to do whatever it takes to push our history in a different direction. And in this op-ed, she wrote, I'm going to read it to you. She says, words cannot dull the pain of George Floyd's family. Like many black families before them, they find themselves in the spotlight for reasons that every parent, sibling and spouse dreads. While his death has catalyzed a symbol called to action. I'm sorry, a symbolic call to action. He was not a symbol to his loved ones. He was a father, a brother, and a son. I can only pray that they find the peace that passes understanding. In the wake of Floyd's death, Americans and people around the world are experiencing shock, grief, outrage, a set of emotions that too often are repeated. If the past is a guide, these feelings will fade and we will return to our lives. But something tells me not this time. Floyd's horrific death should be enough to finally move us to positive action. Perhaps this is like the moment in 1955 when Rosa Parks refused to move to the back of the bus. Or perhaps this is like that fatal Sunday in September of 1963. Quite personal to me. When a bomb in a Birmingham church killed four girls from my neighborhood and shook our nation to its core. Some six decades later, perhaps all of us, regardless of skin color, are, to quote Mississippi sharecropper and civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Our country has often moved towards and been made better through peaceful protests. But our cities must stop burning. Innocent people, including many minority and immigrant business owners, are watching their livelihoods go up in smoke. There is no excuse for looting and criminality and offenders must be stopped. But a call for calm 
is not enough either. This time, we must remain vigilant and maintain our determination to make a difference. Beyond justice for Floyd, systemic change is necessary to make our institutions more just. Yet all the structural reforms in the world are insufficient to remove the shadow hanging over every innocence, I'm sorry, incident of this kind. To be black is to be forced to overcome implicit and explicit reactions to the color of your skin. It might be dismissive or underestimated or presumption of how you think. In some circumstances, it might be fear. We encounter these responses even among decent people who sincerely do not want to react that way. The good news is that these emotions can be overcome and often are with the respect that builds when people know one another as human beings, as friends, neighbors, co-workers, and teammates. Still, we simply must acknowledge that society is not colorblind and probably never will be. Progress comes when people treat one another with respect, as if we were colorblind. Unless and until we are honest that race is still an anchor around our country's neck, that shadow will never be lifted. Our country has a birth defect. Africans and Europeans came to this country together, but one group was in chains. In time, the very constitution that counted slaves as three-fifths of a man became a powerful tool in affording the descendants of slaves their basic rights. That work has been long and difficult, but it has made a difference. We are better than we were. I grew up in a segregated Jim Crow, Alabama, where no one batted an eye if the police killed a black man. There wouldn't have been even a footnote in the local press. So it is a source of pride for many that so many have taken to the streets peacefully to say that they care that they too are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yet protests will take our country only so far. The road to healing must begin with respectful, but honest and deep conversations, not judgments about who we were, who we are, and who we want to become. 
Let us talk with, not at, each other. In our homes, our schools, our workplaces, and in our place of worship. And if we are to make progress, let us vow to check the language of recrimination at the door. As United Americans, we can then turn our fears into faith, hope, compassion, and action. And then we can accept and carry out our shared responsibility to build a more peaceful union. Now, if you want to read the rest of her op-ed, you can find it on the Washington Post website. And I believe she wrote this on the 4th. So I want to encourage you to finish reading it, but it is a powerful, powerful message. Let's pray. Father, we believe we're starting to recognize the pattern of our behavior that keeps causing history to repeat itself. But just like the three officers who stood by and remained complicit in an act that caused a man to die and the blood is on all of our hands. But Father, we all in some way are still wrapped up in the sins of our fathers and our father's fathers. And we simply don't know what to do. When something is wrong, we learned how to get loud enough to get the world's attention. But we never learned how to maintain the change that was birthed from the pain and the wounds and the bloodshed of those who fought to give it to us, black and white. And although we cannot remove the gruesome history of America's past, your word tells us and it lets us know that you have the power to cause us to forget the shame attached to it. So as we go deeper, to uproot whatever is causing this repetitive cycle of sin. Father, I ask for you to remove the shame, guilt, and trauma that has been attached to us for far too long. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you are listeners and you're ready to help make changes and eliminate racism in America and within our systems, you can simply start within your communities and, you know, take a closer look to see what laws and rules are in place that govern you, but also create barriers for others. Take time to sit with someone who's different than you, 
who have different experiences than you and create a space based upon trust and a space that allows you all of you <laughs> to be honest and non-judgmental towards the experience but understand their experiences then find ways to move forward for more information on how to create change within our systems, you can text DEMANDS to 5516. Afterwards, you will receive information on the many ways you can help out. Now, anyone who's used to tuning in, know that I've made the decision to no longer assume that everyone who tunes into this podcast has a relationship with Christ or has already received salvation through Jesus Christ. So for those who may be listening but are not followers of Christ and you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you'd like you're like the prodigal son, you used to consider yourself a follower but you feel like you've fallen away from the truth and you simply just want to come back home please pray this with me dear god i know that i am a sinner and i ask for you to forgive me your word teaches that in order to be saved we must confess our sins believe on the lord jesus christ and receive him as our lord and savior I don't fully know or understand what all this means, but I know that I'm ready to give my life and heart to something bigger and greater than me. So I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. So help me to draw closer to you in every way while I'm on this journey called life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to listen to more prayer and devotions, they're available on the Make Me Good Ground YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms. You can also listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher, entitled Praying the Word of God. If you know someone who will be encouraged by these prayer and devotionals, simply share it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praying the Word of God. And if you're someone who gave your life to Christ by praying the prayer of salvation with me today, email me at prayingthewordofgod2020 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you and take care.